Welcome to The Rec Room with Mandy and Mio, a podcast about books and the people who write them. What time is it? Summer time. From the film High School Musical <laughs> 2, which I yeah, have Yeah, which is a film? Yeah. Yeah. You're a poser. <laughs> I can't believe because, that's how you decided to start it, this. But that's you know you know why. But it's it? relevant. Yeah, it's relevant. Because, yeah, because because because, folks, because Amanda, what time it, is it? I I just said it's, it's summertime. Oh well, it is also six twenty. Oh well, it is also it's also six twenty seven. Oh, were you really asking me for the time? And, I'm like, and it's, uh, it, it's we're in the middle of April, and it is mm-hmm. the middle of summer. But it is the start of a new period for us here at the rec room because it's the beginning of our summer semester. Hell's fucking yeah. Uh, Hell yeah, fucking right. When we left you guys As off the kids say. Uh, in March, when did we record that? In March, right? When, when we finished on Who's to say? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a couple. That was only a couple weeks ago. Yeah, basically um, for us now, like, like yeah. for you guys in the but future. But Max and I have been through so much since then right, that uh, right. I can't yeah. tell. But yeah, that was late March, if I'm not. Yeah, not we we made the announcement that uh, we will be doing something different for the summer, which is that instead of covering uh, whole bibliographies in the fiction genre, we will mm-hmm. be making our own reading list. And kind of just like yeah. keeping it light and fun here, which is why light and breezy, we breezy for the summertime. Got, uh, a film as the first episode of yeah. our summer semester. Yeah, but I should say first, first episode of what exactly? Of this podcast. This podcast called the Rec Room with Mandy right. and Mio, where we ask the question: When does someone's story become Ooh. required reading? In each episode, we take popular authors of the day and review selected pieces of work to see just how close these writers get to the sweet spot between mainstream breakout success and traditional literary sensibility. My name is Mia. I'm Mandy. Is that your given name? (laughs) No, it's the name I gave my... Actually, this is true. It is the name I did give myself. (laughs) It was given to you by you. (laughs) Okay, let me just say, like right off the bat, Uh Stephen Stephen Henderson, (laughs) I forget what his middle name is. Hells yeah. One of the MVPs of this movie. Like he's... Truly, truly. One of the MVPs in general, but he was... (laughs) I I don't want to preempt like a later segment that we're going to do, but this cast is essentially like the L.A. Lakers of of theater... Casting, <laughs> you know, sure. or the Chicago but, like, Bulls. Yeah. Um, I'm working on my sports metaphors. Yeah, guys. I literally was like, maybe a specific you know, version of they, the Chicago they are Bulls. The dream as Mulaney would say, they are the dream right. team. You've got Henderson, Let's. Mm-hmm. You got Ronan. You Metcalf. Got Metcalf. You got Hedges. You got you got Hedges on the and bench. Chalamet on the bench is Chalamet. Chalamet's on bench he, duty. He is the water he, boy. Uh, yeah, but, uh, mm. it's what he deserves. Yeah, but, um, um, and of course, star player, our our lead, our leading lady is the one and only, Shoshana Ronan. If you don't know, 
this entire cast by now. Did you really watch this movie? Like, honestly. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We're gonna go into it later. But, like, y- to your point, this this movie really is such a, a, a theater nerd's movie. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, I remember the first time I watched it when it had first come out. I literally went, oh, that guy the whole time. Right, but for right. different reasons. Like, not because of, um, like, how you usually do it for, like, oh, that guy's been in, like, this movie before. It was more like I recognize... Like, I, I've known Tracy that since um, uh, his adaptation of... Oh, my God. No, he won for something, and I can't remember what it was. But I remember reading two of his plays when I was in high yeah, school. Yeah. And, and, of course, Carrie Coon, his wife is an amazing Broadway actress as well. Laurie Metcalf mm-hmm. is a legend. Yeah. Um, I, I forget, by the way, if we said the name of the, the title. The oh, title of the movie. Oh, it Bird. is. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In case you haven't anyway. Anyway, but yeah. Um, yeah. Theater veterans all around. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was telling you, I was listening to like an interview with the writer and director of Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig. And she was mm-hmm. like, I realized, like, she was like listing all of the theater background credits of the cast, and it kind of made me realize, like, yeah, this whole team is like a theater yeah. group. Like she was saying, like, like the dream Dean team. Feldstein was also like in Hello Dolly, and then at the time mm-hmm. of shooting Lady Bird, Sersha was doing The Crucible, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. well, Timmy, of course, he has, Timothy Chalamet has his own, Tim, I'm calling him Timmy as if we're close. But yeah, if, we're friends. As if we, but we've been calling him that the whole we're time. Buddies. It's going to be really hard to yeah, not call him Timmy. But like, no, just, Timothy, like, just be professional, guys. Timothy, <laughs> Timothy has been like, what was in high school. He was doing like a theater high school thing the whole time. No, he was on Broadway when he was in high school. Right, yeah. You know about that more than I do. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. His, with uh, no, with... I think his the thing that made him there's this viral clip of this play that he was in where he was starring opposite um, uh, the guy. Oh my god, I'm so bad. But he was in House and he was also in um, oh Robert Sean Leonard from Dead Poets Society. Yes, for Dead Poets. Yeah. That's the, the Dead Poets. He was playing, ironically enough, Timmy's teacher in that. And oh. but there's this there's this. If you guys have never seen this, this is one of that's how people kind of knew that Timothy was going to be a star, I guess, because yeah. it went viral because it was just a PR clip, but it was a really insane scene where, uh, what's his name? The teacher wasn't saying anything and it was all just Timmy. Anyway, so that, that um, but his performance in this movie is the opposite of that uh, because, well, it's a play for one, but then also because, you know, his character is very different. Yeah. And it shows range. I think that's one thing also, like, it, like, th- getting theater people to do movies um is difficult to do i think because uh so it depends like there's some people who can act for both but there's others who can't right that makes sense yeah and and, and especially... i think we've we've talked about this before mm-hmm. and i think we're gonna go into it also in our next episode but like Ooh, yeah peop- uh, there's kind of this low-key agreement na parang, or like a hot take that like if you started in theater um you'd you can easily transition to screen. Right. But if you do it the other way around, it's like some people can't do it. Like yeah. Scarlett Johansson, I think. Not to name names, but then like she's <laughs> the one person that comes to mind. I remember okay. I really remember people were saying the she can't she couldn't she it was weird to see her transition to like it wasn't natural or something. Yeah. And another person that comes to mind actually is Laya Salonga. She can't I don't think she's that very that good on screen. But everyone here in this movie is 
Yeah, like they're, they're so. I think it's. They're literally just. Yeah. The they're, okay. Are you really just gonna do that this whole time as Maybe. if it's already a sports movie? Hmm? Lady Bird Magic Johnson. <laughs> okay. Is that her name? Do you? <laughs> Lady <laughs> Magic Lady Bird Johnson. To herself. Maybe, herself. Maybe. Wouldn't that be crazy if uh, when she was signing up for the school play? Yeah. That's what she put. She put Christine, uh, <laughs> open quotes, Michael, quote, Lady Bird. Oh, did I say Michael? Yeah. I meant Magic. Magic. Yeah, magic. <laughs> I was going to say Michael Jordan because I. Um, magic. You, you open quote again lady bird yeah because there's so many quotes lady yeah. lady basab her name is gonna be christine lady magic, magic lady bird, bird johnson mcpherson mcpherson that's gonna Thank be her you. whole I was name like, oh god what's her last name <laughs> yeah um yeah but yeah so we we picked this movie because this is a movie that well we both right. love um yeah and like i i I've seen it more times than you. I, I if I'm not mistaken, yes. this is your second time. Correct. The film. This but, is my second watch. But you you really love the movie the first time you saw it. And, I did, yeah. And I think uh, one of the reasons we picked this movie was that it was a good way of looking back at, I guess, sort of what maybe on one hand, like looking at what was on our mind at the times when when yes. the movie first came out, and like. Comparing it, I think, to now. That movie came out in, like, Mm -hmm. 2017. 2017. Um, So I had just finished college. Uh, That was the year I graduated. No, you didn't just finish college. No, no, I had been two years out. Because that was the year... Yeah, you had been two years out. I had just finished. Wait, that's that's so weird. I graduated that August. I graduated that August. Wait, so it came out the same year that I moved to the UK? That's weird. That, That somehow doesn't... Did you not move to the... I moved to the UK in 2017. Oh, yeah, that's right. September of 2017-ish, yeah. right? I, that almost doesn't track anymore in my head. Wow. So the thing that I was just saying, let's throw that out the window. I don't know where my head yeah. is anymore. When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, that was such a oh whirlwind time. Yeah, yeah. It really was. It really was. But, um, no, but, we, but uh, you know, the thing that does still stand is we really love this movie. And I wanted to try to break this down uh like what i love about this movie because i have like watched it with different people and i always get Mm -hmm. like mixed reactions there are some people for whom this movie like really works and it's like great Mm -hmm. and then there are Mm -hmm. other people who are like it's this is just an okay movie and i i mean like i don't for those people men no i i i will say exclusively the people who have had mixed opinions on it that i've heard from are women okay um but yeah i mean like oh okay that that's fine yeah that's fair you yeah. know what, if it was a mixed opinion coming from a man that would be worse yeah yeah it, to... yeah 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 but um and i and i wanted to kind of get to at least with this movie like yeah what it was what it was that really got to me mm-hmm. and we were watching it right before we started recording and one of the observations that we brought up to bring it all back to the theater talk was it feels like th- this movie feels like the highest quality production college play play of all time. <laughs> I yeah, said that, yeah, yeah, I said yeah. that weirdly. It's the college play with the highest production quality of all time. Right. And to the point that even right. like when we got to the final scene where Lady Bird calls up her mom and dad and she leaves a message for them about how she's feeling and it's like her final catharsis. That felt mm-hmm. a lot like a theater monologue. Like, 
nobody yes. in that in those circumstances nobody is ever that confident to put out a coherent message and yet Lady Bird did <laughs> after after having yeah, absolutely. Of, like ostensibly after one of literally her first hangovers <laughs> yeah of all the time <laughs> her first and in a new city and she didn't even know the day yeah um so yeah yeah, but so, we jumped way ahead to the ending. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, I expect we're gonna jump around a lot with this movie because I feel like this is a movie that also around the time it came out, like a lot of people did see it. Uh, it's quite mm-hmm. a popular film, so mm-hmm. so for us to like also like litigate the plot a little, like we we can talk about it loosely, but but it also feels like you know people will know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, with that being said let's get into some context uh i wanted to bring this up front because i i felt like it was important to talk about greta gerwig's path to lady bird before lady bird um Mm -hmm. she was born in august 1983 in sacramento california her mother. She's a Leo, you guys. Oh, okay. Hey, we should do this more often. It's like oh, whatever, that's true. We'll be doing I didn't bios, think of that before, right? <laughs> yeah. Mean, like we should that's do. That's right. Since we're doing bios now in every episode, you can like tell us what their star sign. Ah. Is. Zadie is a Scorpio, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I remember that one. Um, yeah. No Libra so far, have there been? No. Uh, I'm not sure. Go ahead and speak, and I'll yeah, double yeah. check. Okay, so um. Greta Gerwig was ba- born and raised in Sacramento, California. Her mom, Christine, is an OBGYN nurse. And sh- uh, Greta attended an all-girls Catholic school in Sacramento. She had intended mm-hmm. to complete a degree in musical theater in New York, but ended up graduating from Barnard College with a degree in English and philosophy. Now, up until that point, I just want to say like that, that mm-hmm. a lot of those details sound similar to um, the details about Lady Bird. Uh, right, but more on that later. I'll just keep going on with the context. Right. I just wanted to raise that point. Um, so can I just interrupt real Go quick? Ahead. So, uh, what's uh, Sally Rooney is a Pisces. I see. And Madeline Miller is a is a Cancer. Ah. So, so Libras, we're coming for, for you. Anyone out we'll there? Just wait. Any any day now, you can be born. <laughs> any day. To me, <laughs> I don't know what I'm asking. Actually, we want to. Okay. I we'll see, we'll see. Maybe in the, maybe later in the summer. We'll Sorry, she's also a Leo. Am I bad? My bad. Okay. She's an early Leo. Okay. Um, see Madeline Miller. So we've had two Leos so far. Actually, yeah. this makes a lot of sense in my head. Since we're going, you guys. To- okay, just for those who care about this, but like, um, Madeline Miller is a July Leo, and uh, Greta Gerwig is an August Leo, and those are two very different kinds of Leos. Um. So yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah. I'll explain to you. But later. unlike Madeline Miller, Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. originally intended to become a playwright. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it was very unlike her. Uh, because she applied mm-hmm. to some MFA programs, which she did not get into. She also decided not to go to film school, although I, I'm not sure if this was a deliberate choice or if she just decided not to go. In any case, mm-hmm. she started working with like emerging filmmakers in the 2000s, uh, namely Joe Swanberg and the Duplass brothers. And this eventually yeah. led to her um, appearing in Greenberg in 2010, which was her first mm-hmm. collaboration with the filmmaker Noah Baumbach, who would not only become mm-hmm. her partner, but also her co-writer on their films Francis Ha and Mistress America, mm-hmm. uh, of which she is the star. I remember like 
Francis Ha in particular was the film that I had first encountered Greta Gerwig through, and I was like, she is a very interesting person, uh, and so I'm really glad to see yeah. like um, seeing her now all the way up to like Little Women. Uh, you know, she's one of the writers I find very exciting. Admire? Yeah, I admire. Find her very exciting. Yes. Um, she also right. had co-directed a film in 2008 entitled Nights and Weekends. But it wasn't until 2017 when she made her debut as a solo director through the film Lady Bird. And and mm-hmm. this is like coming out of... I, I might be repeating myself, but like coming out of our Grand Union episode with uh, Mags uh, at the end of our Zadie Smith series where I was like quite caught with the idea of um, us looking for the author in the text or seeing how the author inserts themselves into the text. And mm-hmm. I want to see how Greta does it here because mm-hmm. I, as I was saying with her bio like a lot of the details of her early life resemble the details that we see in the film that um, Lady Bird is born and raised in Sacramento California she goes to an all girls Catholic her mom school. is her a, mom's a nurse a, med- a nurse yeah. yeah and then she ends up going to New York to study in college mm-hmm. uh and, and this is one of those things where it's like, it's a case of like separating the art from the artist, but figuring out where the separations are made uh, and mm-hmm. and how the artist or how the author uses those separations to explore something about themselves that they hadn't seen before. Right. Right. So like, like especially yeah. like with regard to... Um, seeing the character of Lady Bird as an analog for Greta Gerwig, well, one clue, one thing that clues you into the fact that Lady Bird is not meant to be read as an analog for Greta Gerwig is the fact that yeah. her name's Christine, and Christine is not her name, but her mother's name. Yeah, So it's like, exactly. it's a weird conflation where she's like trying to throw us off the scent. But also mm-hmm. she was saying, and I think in an, another interview with, it might have been the Austin Film Festival, where mm-hmm. she was talking about how when she was a student in Sacramento, like she lived like a completely opposite life compared to Lady Bird, where like she followed all the rules. She was more of like the sacristan mm-hmm. type, we were joking. She was like Right. Yeah. She was okay. like following the rules and she's trying to like ace her way through school so that she could basically mm-hmm. get into college in New York where she could become a more free spirit. Uh, some oh, fun okay. facts about uh, the making of Lady Bird. Uh, it's about... Uh, so, um, Greta Gerwig, when she started working with her director of photography, Sam Levy, she told him that she wanted to offer a female counterpart to the teenage films The 400 Blows and Boyhood. Um, mm-hmm. Very iconic. Uh, I haven't seen either of those movies. movies but those are notably yeah. about boys. Um, yes. <laughs> at one point, one draft of Lady Bird was 350 pages long. And if you take the received wisdom that one page equals one, one minute. One page is one minute, yeah. That means like she had... That's why I asked you. I was like, how many minutes yeah, do you so think she, that is? There, so she basically envisioned a five-hour <laughs> version Our, yeah. of Lady which, Bird. Which is very Shakespearean of yeah, her, yeah. I'd have to say. Like, this might as well have been her Hamlet. Hey, or, or her Snyder Cut. Or the Snyder Cut. <laughs> so what I'm just saying is hashtag release the Gerwig cut. Uh, the Gerwig cut. 
this draft also had the working title Mothers and Daughters, and her whole process there was like writing out vignettes that she then whittled down until she basically got the form of the screenplay that we have now. She worked on the mm-hmm. screenplay for years and learning from her filmmaker friends how to get this idea from page to screen. And by the time she basically had everything together, uh, she I find this really interesting. She basically got the cast and crew together. And then she started mm-hmm. like sharing with them all her old high school yearbooks and then pictures and journals, as well as passages written by Joan Didion about California. And then after that, she took them on a tour of her hometown. So like even there, you get this sense that she's trying to imbibe it with a, yeah. s- a sense of herself um, as a person telling the story. But she also, and she said this over several interviews, relied a lot on the team that she was working in to put in something of themselves into the movie. So, like, even specific to the cast, like, she would say that um, when she was writing the characters, like, when she was writing Timothy's character or Saoirse's character in particular, uh, she kept trying to listen to what their characters were really like. Like, she had an inkling of them in her head, and it might have been based on somebody that she knew in real life. She knew. Yeah, but she tried to, like, obediently listen to them and, like, record what they were doing or saying in her head on the page. Yeah. And it was only by the time that she had cast those characters uh, and gave them their roles that she felt that she was giving those characters away to them. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because she also doesn't allow her actors to really improvise a lot. But she still yeah, I, feels I didn't that, know that. Um, yeah, she was saying that she doesn't let them improvise. But she still believes that the actors can imbibe those characters with things that she might not know about them. Which mm-hmm. says a lot about, I guess, her process. That's interesting. You know? yeah. yeah. And also uh, difficult, I think. Right, right. That's but, really an interesting. But that's why you can take. like you know to go back again to that ending. Like that's why that also feels like such a stagey ending, because like mm-hmm. it feels so clear that she's going through the monologue and it's it doesn't have, I guess, that organic sense that an improvised script would allow you to read. Yeah, something like that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very thorough, well thought of, and well acted. So when Lady Bird begins, um, the first scene is that Lady Bird and her mom are basically going to visit colleges in the California area, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is that um, Lady Lady Bird's mom wants her to go to school somewhere nearby so that it isn't as expensive for her. They're like a middle-class family. And one of the things that sort of sets that all also into motion in terms of like setting up tension within the family is that the dad loses his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that happens like a like maybe a third, a fourth in, or a fifth into the way of the movie, but like that sort of like sets things in motion that you know if Lady Bird were to go uh, to school in New York, like it would come at great cost for the family, and like you know that that's difficult yeah. enough. Um, yeah. yeah. It's around the first portion of the movie that she's going through her last year of high school. She gets into 
the musical. Play? She gets into the high. Yes. Their their high school. High school. Had their high school musical. I mean, get this. Get this. I mean, she's in a high school. And then she's and they're a staging musical? a musical. This is unheard of. Like I, absolutely insane. Well, in the Philippines, it's unheard of for real. Maybe, um, maybe. but. But yeah, that's where she's at. She gets cast in yeah. a high school production of Merrily. We roll along. Yeah. Which if you've never uh, listened to that musical, you should. Uh, and then there she meets good old, good old Danny. Played by Lucas who is from Hedges. Lucas Hedges, who is from the adjacent all-boys Catholic school. Yeah. Which, by the way, to our Filipino viewers... Just viewers? viewers? Who's viewing this? Well, you're viewing Who's this on this? <laughs> yeah. Um, we just want to say that their school, the girls' school, is called Immaculate Heart. Yeah. And then the all boys' school adjacent to them is called Savior. Right. Um, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious. Well, here, because here in the Philippines, the adjacent or like the partner schools of the same nature are Immaculate Conception. And savior, yeah. Um, it's funny, and then, but then also, and Lucas Hedges, yeah, their the, the their boys' school. Mm-hmm. I was saying that their uniform is literally just the Ateneo uniform, right. <laughs> the Ateneo high school uniform with long sleeves. Well, you were um, saying that you were kind of abused by the fact that if a boys' school and a girls' school, they're both Catholic. If they're next to each other and they they're adjacent, the same chapel, they share the yeah, which, which is yeah. not. How and it that's, is and that's here? Funny because I realized now that the school you went to was adjacent to a boys was school. literally next to Ateneo. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the so, boys' school. I mean, like, yeah, um, yeah, okay. And like, I mean, <laughs> sorry. I mean, like, as far as I can remember, I mean, like, my school was a lot more conservative, you would say. So they mm-hmm. did not at all plan to put. Although, yeah, us as well. The boys' school and the girls' school. Anyway, we're like meandering about it, but like, it it a lot of the things that are happening in terms of. Their in this, yeah, it's still really us. different. Like yeah, despite it being Catholic school, and yeah. generally Catholic school is the same. But sorry, there's a motorcycle. Yeah. Okay, he's gone. Um, but in terms of like how the school is still set up, and what you get to do, there are lots of points in the movie where I was like, what? Uh, it's different from us. Like here again, like I went to a school that was adjacent to an all. Bo- I went to an all girls Catholic school that was adjacent to an all boys. Um, Catholic school and we had we famously have a bridge that connects our two schools but we don't use it for anything other than like um, like if you're if you're riding the school bus that's supposed to be the point of it it's not oh, supposed to be right, really right, right. for like it's okay I'll say it now and people will know who I went to school but um, it's called the friendship bridge and it's not necessarily to like encourage i know it's not supposed to encourage friendship i think it's really just there for the sake of um the fact that ateneo and and i'm just saying ateneo and miriam had shared school services so sometimes you could if you're from miriam and you had to go to the your service was on ateneo you have to use that bridge to get there but you know we're not allowed to like hear mass together that's insane because what if you have to hold hands during our father (laughs) wait okay that's crazy okay let me ask you because i i mean as far as the movie went it didn't really show what was going on in the boys school so i can't really speak to that oh yeah absolutely as you were watching this like did you feel in any way that what was going on in the movie like aligned with your experience of catholic girls school Uh, um yeah in terms of like 
Um, you know, you're worried, especially because it was senior year. It was very like you trying to figure out who you are in your last year of high mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And like, I get that now some people changed in that year specifically, which is, we'll go into that later. Nah, Lady Bird has that sort of period in her life, uh, in that year where she tries to go with another group. I, yeah. I feel like that's accurate. I don't know yeah. if that would be accurate no, for yeah, a guy's school. Like um, yeah. And I think, but then also, uh, well, our school was, is, um, uh, what's the word for it? We don't have nuns anymore, cause I, Oh, okay. So, like, who are the so, running your school? Yeah, I know. Um, we were still a Catholic school, but yeah. we're not run by the convent anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they gave... I forgot what... What's that term? It starts with an S. When you're not a Catholic school. Like, I mean, we're not... When you're secular? <laughs> I don't know. Secular, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. No, we were, we're considered a secular Catholic school. Right. Parang ganun. And that's oh, okay. why ours, yeah. Um, so our administration is like not anyone who's like, you know, in the faith or then, anything like that. Yeah. But but we're still actively like a Catholic school. We right. still function the same way. But then like, for example, like there's that whole thing in um, in the film where Lady Bird has like several conversations with the nun yeah. in her school, like the principal. So yeah, that's what I that's why I brought it up because mm. we don't have that same Sure, but like uh, I mean like considering that some of those I guess administrators were like very heavily religious, were there people, any yeah. were there any points that you felt that you could like confide or like talk with them? Or absolutely were you not. Always, yeah, exactly. That's what, that's <laughs> absolutely what I was not. That's what I was no freaking way. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, and so we were talking about that also. Na parang this is what makes that that relationship is what makes this movie kind of different from other coming of age films because she's like that. The first scene she has talking to the that nun. Yeah. We both of us were like, oh, it's it's good that she's not like. A really violent rebel, yeah, um, yeah, in the school, and that the 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 nuns at the school kind of just let her be generally yeah. because they know she's not doing I mean, anything like there's, super there's crazy. There's really just moment. one nun. That's um, sort of funny. It's like I'm trying to clock like who are the other nuns? That they no, there was one other nun. There was one other nun during the dance. I saw oh, her. She okay, was watching. Okay. She was when when during prom specifically yeah. when Beanie and yeah. and Trisha were dancing uh, together. She was okay. watching them. Well, yeah, she's that, a bit older that looking. Nun has like a very like concrete presence that stands in I guess for everyone. But then like yeah as we were saying that like she she has a relationship with um lady bird that is not what you would expect although like i i was constantly like second guessing it through the movie now they never felt like they were combative or confrontational with one another mm-hmm. um and it yeah. sometimes felt like the nun would say like a hard truth to lady bird and lady bird would kind of just like take it like or would like kind of take it yeah, yeah. yeah so it was like interesting to see that and and it made me think about like in the sense that this is not really a movie about what Greta Gerwig grew up with but mm-hmm. what she saw what she wishes like, wishes is one possible reading of it but it you know the word that she the phrase that she uses is alter ego is that this is sort of the thing that she didn't have access to when she was growing up because she wasn't that oh. kind of person and it kind yeah. of like you were saying that this is since this is a coming of age film, like it made mm-hmm. me sort of realize like 
Yeah, it's sort of funny how we don't, when we're younger and we're the exact audience that coming of age films are supposed to be for, we don't clock in how inherently unrealistic a lot of coming of age movies are. Yeah. Which I think is also right. the thing that kind of turns off some people about coming to of age movie. movies. Like they yeah. they just feel so unrealistic that it it feels like almost deceptive. But mm-hmm. I I think about like some of my favorite like coming of age movies. Like I think another coming of age movie I really enjoy is Rushmore. Like that uh, by Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah, like do, that you that character that like it's like uh, like <laughs> like aggressively unrealistic and it's like almost to the yeah. point like I, I wish I could have told myself as a younger person that you're never gonna be a Max Fisher so don't don't even try <laughs> no one's going to allow you to buy that no many explosives gonna... to stage your Vietnam War play so why, yeah, why sure. you know why pretend you can and even like something more recent like earlier this year I finally saw Edge of Seventeen which I really loved like there's an mm-hmm. aspect of like um, the way the school is portrayed in that film, but I'm I'm still like, there's no way a teacher is gonna be like Woody Harrelson in that movie. Like he's too cool, right? <laughs> like even if he's mean sometimes to like um Haley Steinfeld, like there's a part where like, but nobody is that cool. No teacher is that cool, you know. I mean, I can't again yeah, speak yeah. to how it is in the states if there really teachers like that or you know. But there's a stylization to his character that I was like, there's no way. Come on, come on! You gotta be kidding me, right? Agree. Um, yeah, but that 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 might just be the thing I love also about coming of age movies is that it mm. gives you an avenue to look at um, something apart from what you are living or what you You're, are going through. Yeah. So like yeah. someone like Max Fisher or like Lady Bird, they're very clearly not us. And yes. yet, a lot of the things that we see in their movies are things that we can relate to deeply. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was I was telling you, going back to the Catholic schools thing, I was telling you that the first time I watched this movie, when it goes into the title sequence and it's them at mass, I was so triggered. I literally was like, oh yeah. my God, yeah. this is happening now. Um, but yeah, there are also other aspects of it that you're kind of just like, oh man, I really remember being this stupid. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because like that's that's the thing, no? Is that, I mean, like Lady Bird is in a way, I mean, she's not dumb, but she is stupid. To quote Danny Feldstein's she's re- movie, she's stupid in a yeah. deeper sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also I think it's and like to quote the mom, yeah, uh, but not directly because she's being really selfish right. for a very long time because she felt so misunderstood for the wrong reasons right and it's it's very and the thing about this also I, it, uh as a coming of age film compared to other ones is that it's still angsty without be without giving you heavy frustrations yeah of angst. that's the thing no it, it a lot of which those, is great i think yeah yeah i, I mean on. like a lot of that angst does feel very heavy-handed, which you know I I think for our generation, yeah. like especially so, like yeah, I'm trying to th- trying to like make associations, and now my mind is only like going to like Green Day songs, yeah. <laughs> or, or to Simple Plan, yeah, Simple Plan, man, <laughs> like like yeah, like that kind of angst is heavy-handed. Yeah, but, like this one, like watching it now, I'm but like, this is very no, this is all very um, manageable angst. <laughs> yes, for, exactly, or like how you would say it. it tender yeah yeah i kept it, that it like lot, it's yeah. tender angst and um in ways that make it 
digestible and not like it's it's still hard to watch obviously because right. a lot of it is so heavy parin yeah. pero it's not too heavy to the se- in the sense na parang sobrang bigat yung feeling mo after like yeah. it, especially I think in old eighties ones because the aggr- and we were talking about this off mic but like the difference between eighties com- or like films set in the eighties yeah coming of age, coming of films, age yeah. and then this in our late early two thousands mm. um the priorities are so different because back then in the 80s, it was very much about being, you know, the whole counterculture kind yeah, of thing. And so, so they like, had to be really aggressive like like and Heathers so angsty. And Lost Boys. Yeah. Even like Pretty and Pink. Right. Even, and yeah, and, uh, and The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Or even like no. w- when we brought up, like uh, we were saying Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which for the most part is oh, lighthearted. Yes. But then when you get to yeah. the angsty But then when you get to movie, the... It's like yes, so heavy. it's, it's like, really just like, oh, dude. Yeah, like, oh, Cameron's <laughs> problems are the biggest problems of the world right now. <laughs> and, like, this is really horrifying. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, pair with this, it is very just like, this is this could be anybody's life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, and I think with the 80s, it was more like, this This should... I, I mean, it, yeah, I guess with Breakfast Club, that was more relatable than, like, let's say, Ferris Bueller. Sure. But, like, parang, I think the angst that it invokes in you is so strong in a medio in a different way than it is here. Yeah. Like it doesn't make give you retrospect. It just makes you angsty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas this is more like, oh yeah, I definitely was like this as yeah. a person before. And if I'm still like that, then I can definitely try and change that. The, um, the key to this whole movie is that one scene. Uh, it's another scene where Lady Bird is talking to the nun. And right. the nun delivers that line na where she's like reading um, Lady Bird's college application essay. Um, and she says, yeah. like, you describe Sacramento with such care and affection, and it comes across as love. And like, Lady yeah. Bird is like surprised. She's like, love? What the hell is she talking about? I yeah, hate, like, yeah. I hate, I hate Sacramento. Sacramento. Like, That's I why I'm going to New York. I'm literally going to the opposite coast from where opposite, Sacramento yeah. is. And then. Yeah. And then, like, the nun kind of just, like, opens her eyes to it. Like, no, but it comes across as love. Don't you think love and yeah. attention are the same are thing? Are the same. Yeah. And and that's the thing that I think, yeah, Yunga, is that... That's the thesis statement that's, of that's, this. That's what Lady Bird is, like, lacking specifically. Like, in Greek tragedy terms, like, that's sort mm-hmm. of her fatal Lady Bird flaw. the character, you mean? Yeah, Lady Bird. She, yeah, Lady Bird the character, her fatal flaw is that she you know, thinks highly of herself and she has all these like lofty aspirations that, you know, she she should have every right to pursue. But she also mm. lacks the attention uh, to look beyond herself and see what others appreciate. Um which she at least is able to do with Sacramento the place. Yeah. Now what the reason I relate to this on a deeper level is that this is exactly how I felt coming from uh provincial city even if it's as big as well it's Cebu the one of the yeah. like the second biggest metro in the Philippines but like moving mm-hmm. from Cebu to Manila I definitely felt that a lot uh, that yeah. Manila had its own culture that y- mm-hmm. you know like you guys Manila is so big that you one of the defining marks of Manila culture is that young people in Manila <laughs> refer to the north and I know south where you're going as different to this. regions yeah 
<laughs> I knew where you were going. As right? soon as you started exactly. that, I knew you where you were going with this. Yeah, see? yeah, and, and all of you, yeah, no, it's true. Listeners from and we all <laughs> are gonna agree exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. No, yeah, but like you know, I, he, you've I been in the middle of like our conversations yeah, I about can't this. Bring up that that com- that dichotomy because like obviously yeah. that, that dichotomy is not really here in Cebu. And like if yeah. ever like I I've like tried to like butt in by like jesting like oh I'm from the south the deep the south. deep south <laughs> like okay Mia. But yeah and, but like speaking of that like it was one of the things where like I felt myself like deeply relating to this movie's sense of place and mm-hmm. its attention to place mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. the realization that place is not just location but place is also people yeah so for Come on. so for this which is a line from Thor <laughs> uh, sorry yeah. But uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, this movie, like, it, it does an interesting way of teaching Lady Bird how to pay attention to people by making her realize, like, you actually love this place. Like, don't pretend that yeah. you hate it. And exactly. in the same way, I kind of, like, sort of realize the same thing myself. It's like, if I live in Manila for the rest of my adult life, one thing I know that I'll be thinking about a lot is how, like, I'm also missing the rel- relative smallness of Cebu like how and how the people are here is different from the way people are there yeah. and when once I started to like internalize those feelings I realized like oh shit maybe I love Cebu <laughs> like maybe maybe yeah, I do want right. to go back to Correct. Miami and I've been living here for the yeah. last 10 years wow it, two, uh, three years three years yeah I think I have a similar experience as well mm. without having to really leave manila but growing up i did have the same sentiments as lady bird and especially in high school like i wanted to get out of manila so bad yeah and out of this the country and i did want to also move to new york funnily enough um but i didn't have like the resources and um i think it wasn't until halfway through university that Oh, not even. I think sometime in college. Uh, and yeah, no. I would say halfway through university that I kind of realized, oh, there is literally nowhere else that I would rather be than than yeah. here. I think because um, I think that if I had gone elsewhere, it would have been that whole like um, you can take the girl out of Konyo Katebunan, but you sure, can't yeah. take the Konyo Katebunan out of the girl. And I think that's that's also how the movie kind of ends with. Uh, what's her name? With Lady Bird, because in the end, when she's doing her monologue, her closing monologue, it's very much. It's still it's, she's standing in New York City, but yeah. you don't see New York. Yeah, like you see Sacramento, um, and she's talking about Sacramento to her mom. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very telling and interesting decision on yeah on Greta's part to be like. Yeah, yeah, which you questioned for two seconds. Yeah, it was like for. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Sorry, excuse me. What do you mean? No, to oh uh, to put the that Sacramento bit. Uh, I mean, like oh, the no, driving no, 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 bit. No, no, not that. I wasn't referring. Oh, to that. oh, okay. I was thinking more uh, sorry. of like the fact that uh, what Lady Bird does at the end that triggers her to call up her mom and dad is that she goes to a church. Oh, goes Sunday, to mass. Right? She goes to mass. Which yeah. Is, like, really weird. It's, and it's, which and also by the way, she does not stay for mass. She, yeah, she just went in for mass, a while. But, like, the fact yeah. that she's even drawn to it is for me it's, uh-huh. it's a very interesting internal like dynamic that's at play now because like here you've seen her sort of like 
even soft rebelling against the, her Catholic school in a big way. And now she realizes like, oh, the church is the only place where I can go if I miss that. E- yeah, exactly. You know? Like I can't, I can't go I... back to Sacramento every time I miss Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's where I can. I go. feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. I think, I, I, I will say that I get that sentiment. And like when I visited you yeah. in England, and we would go to mass together, I would kind of feel the same right, way. Right. Um. Because, because like I clearly every time we'd go around we were tour or well I was a tourist and you were like my tour guide and I truly yeah. did feel like we were in a different place but every time we would go to mass I'd just be like oh this is it's weird the same thing it's weird how I brought up that dichotomy of Manila and Cebu without even thinking about the fact that I also moved out of the country and like I yeah that's that right you you literally in Toto yeah yeah <laughs> from, yeah yeah from abroad but but I think that also speaks to how like that missing of a place or that uh, affection towards a place mm-hmm. is really universal regardless of where you're from because i was also thinking about yeah like, as I was thinking, and where you went yeah like i was thinking also about how there must be some people who think of cebu the way i think of manila who might have moved right. here from like i don't know like Cagayan yeah. de Oro or bacolod or yeah. from yeah. and then they come here to cebu yeah. and they're like but i miss together i miss bacolod or yeah. Cagayan de Oro because right. that for them is home and like even yeah. though they had an aspiration to leave it and say like mm-hmm. i don't really like what this place turns me into that mm-hmm. doesn't mean i hate the place wholesale there are things about it i appreciate and only i can speak to when i'm sharing it with others right and, and it's something that like in a clever way like you know there's that scene towards the end where she's at that party and she tells like a guy asks her like where are you from and she says it for sacramento and then he mishears her is like sorry what's that and then she says oh uh san she francisco no she says san francisco oh. <laughs> and then, oh san francisco right and you know like that that speaks to the part where it's like she's ashamed of saying where yeah. she's really from to this guy that she's just met whose yeah. only cool factor is the fact that she met him in new york we don't even really know in, if he's yeah. necessarily from new york but yeah. just like their association of being together in New York makes her feel the mm-hmm. obligation to seem cool to him. Right. And like, um, where was I going with this? Uh, like that harkens Please. back to her earlier line. You know, there's that iconic line where she asks the mom, do you like me? And then the mom says, I want you to be the best I version you. of oh. yourself. Right. And Lady Bird asks, but what if it what if this is the what best if this version is of me? Right? What yeah. if this is the peak? What if I never get better than this? Well, yeah. Lady, literally when you got to New York, you couldn't Lady even Bird. you couldn't even speak to that version of you being yeah. who you came from, you know? <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, I sound yeah, like yeah. I'm like speaking abstractly, but like, you know, like that that's where my mind is going like, as I was thinking about those lines and those moments when we were watching it just now. Agree. Yeah, and I also think that this is the way that like the whole thing about the tension is Greta's way of distancing herself further from Lady Bird as a character. Right. Because you see the film making decisions to stay with characters other than Lady Bird 
while Lady Bird leaves, right? What is being, yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that. You should explain that a bit more. Right. Okay. So, so there are several moments throughout the movie where, um, you know, Lady Bird will like just like leave to the side. I mean, like the movie is called Lady Bird. You'd expect that it would follow her perspective the whole way through. But the film does jump to different people at times. And you start to get hints of their lives that even if they're only hinted at on the surface level, you know that there's something deeper going on. So Stephen Henderson as the priest, like that's one example. Like he's somebody who like they keep rumoring about like, oh, he before he became a priest, he had a kid who like died or something. And then. Yeah, uh, yeah right. And then throughout the movie, you kind of see him suffering grief and depression. Mm-hmm. And that's something that yeah. Lady Bird never sees. And he, he the priest yeah. even asks Lady Bird's mom, don't tell your daughter that I'm like yeah. grieving to you. Or yeah. like to see Beanie Feldstein. Well, Lady Bird does see it once, but she doesn't get it. Yeah, like she, she just really thinks he's it. being weird. Yeah, when exactly. when he cries during an, uh, a class exercise yeah. or like a theater yeah. exercise, yeah. she just thinks nah, he... I don't know. Like it was clear now. All of them were just like, "Oh shit, he yeah. took this too seriously." Yeah. Um, and then that's after that is when uh, their one friend is like, "Oh yeah, no, it's because he wasn't always a priest." Yeah. Um, Which like, I, but I yeah, whatever. Like, and then they don't, blame they don't think of, yeah, like, cause, like, True. yeah, 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 of course. Like you never think when you're in high school, you never think about your teachers that way. Like, you yeah. never think about... Like, it's the thing where when you're in high school and you see your teacher outside of school, you're like, whoa, they have a real life. Right. That's kind that's, of weird. Yeah, like, that's really <laughs> like, strange. Of course they have a real yeah. life. And, yeah. And, like, and it's almost to the point that once you find out what that real life is, you almost can't handle it because it is so immense and it is so lived through. <laughs> yeah. But also, can you imagine? You were that person for some people. That's true. That's weird. I actually... <laughs> Sorry. Some of my listen- students are... My former <laughs> students are listening to this podcast, like... Yeah, I've I've been through stuff. <laughs> seen, yeah. seen things, man. I've seen oh, some God. things. I've seen some um, things. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a real life, so yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, is what we were trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, another example is like Beanie Feldstein. Like she's Lady Bird's best friend, but there are moments where mm-hmm. like Lady Bird's not even like paying attention to the fact that she has a crush on the teacher, on their math teacher. Yeah. Um, right, and or there that there's a bit I really love where when they're looking at the cast names for the musical set in a high school, when um, they when they got into it, yeah, that when they all got like, cast, like you mean, like Lady Bird kind of just like scratches off her name so that she can write Lady Bird on the on the yeah. on the cast sheet, while mm-hmm. Beanie Feldstein she like stays for a while just so that she can caress her name, which is so her sweet. own name. Yeah, you it know? was such a nice moment. Yeah. But yeah. that's see that's where the film is doing what Lady Bird cannot do yet, which is to pay attention to the people who make this place. Yeah, and ultimately yeah. that's where you see Greta. Gerwig. This must be the place. Yeah, paying attention to that mm-hmm. place. Um, yeah, which I really like about it. Um, yeah, agree. In that in that sense, it's also in its own way like kind of making that statement of the nun reflexive to the movie. Like, if these are the things that Lady Bird's limited vision can pay attention to and still come off as love, these are the things that Greta Gerwig loves about Sacramento. Mm -hmm. That she's paying attention to, that you might not be able to see, but she can speak to having come from that place. 
Right. Really, Correct. Really appreciate uh, what else happens in this movie? Um, do we should right, we talk we about that? the Timothy? Oh, t- do we have to? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, we don't, I we, mean, we don't have to. If you wanna, if you wanna, yeah. Timothy corner, we can. I mean, we don't have to. He was good in this movie. That's about it. Well, this, um, is a, this is an important. Year well, for and him, to though. be fair, he, oh yeah, we were saying that bef- around this time he should have had like four movies out in one year. Yeah, one of which was. I'm gonna um, double check right now. It was, but this... I think the one with with Steve Carell should have oh, been this oh, year also. Beautiful boy. Yeah, and then, I'm double checking. Notably, call me by your name. Um, uh, oh, was it 2017? Yeah, no because, way. Yes, because I remember because we watched. Oh, I watched no the way. movie in the UK cinemas. Oh, I, did I, you? Yeah, I saw the, the trailer. Oh, so that came out 2017. Quite right. Movie. Okay. Um, the fourth one was then. Film. Wait, I I might have just been lying about four, by the way. But oh, okay. Um, I think no, because 2017, 2018 in general is a pretty. Yeah, okay, I was right because it's "Call Me by Your Name" in 2017, "Lady Bird," and. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, and Hot Summer Nights. That was the other one I was thinking of. Hot Summer Nights. Right, Beautiful know. Boy is 2018. Hot Summer Nights is this... I think it's a drug... It's it's like a... He's a drug dealer in it, oh, but okay. by accident. Okay. Very confusing. All right. Um, so that, and then another movie, Hostiles, which I know that he was just... He had a minor role in that. Um, Rosamund Pike is in this movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he had a bunch, and then two of them were ones where he was, or three of them were ones where he was higher billed. Yeah. Because um, by the time 2018 comes in, it's leading up to Beautiful Boy, The King, Little Women. Right, right. So he's already like, he's just supposedly rainy day. He's running down. Yeah, he's running. He's making laps. But this is yeah, he's, like he's, his breakout year. His debut year, yeah, yeah his yeah. debut or his breakout year, and yeah. Even that's though, that's uh, more accurate. Even though a lot of people like obviously look back to Call Me by Your Name as like the role in which he broke out. Yeah. I, oh wait, sorry. Okay, go go go. Uh, okay, I was go. gonna say no, no, no. I'll say this afterwards. This is the film where that is sort of very meta textually identifying his star quality. Um. As an actor, basically. Yeah. Right. No, I I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, because like yeah. he, he comes off as this really cool, admirable person, possibly a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. I mean, doubt. I I I I don't know if that's what you words you use. I probably a lot of people are yelling at me right now. But right, bro. But like, sure. if you start to like dig into like what his personality is like as a person. Maybe um, he does a lot of questionable things. Yeah, you know, like, in yes, yeah, like, correct. Like that, Go ahead. That's sort of the thing. It's like he he, you know, like the movie kind of reveals him to be someone who is like, like this cool guy, morally or ethically incompetent, but still mm-hmm. someone you'd want to get to know. <laughs> yeah, because I guess it's it's the the whole bad boy kind of thing. Right. Nah, nah. And, you know, maybe from Lady Bird's perspective, like, he's clearly rich, he still goes to Catholic school, yeah. and he reads all these books that are, like, you know, very lib them, I guess. Yeah. And then he also has his own car, and he, like, sits at the cafe that she works at. Like, so, because clearly that means he doesn't have to work himself. Yeah. 
And so, parang, I guess that's the appeal to it. Like, even if very early on she could see na they didn't have that much in common, she knew that she had an in with him somehow anyway, and they got to be close either way. Yeah. Um, and in the end, he's still the loser. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's weird because, like, if you think about it, that that is essentially the trope of that archetype. Right, like, right. like surely, like I, I'm trying to think of like other coming of age movies where that character has played exactly the same beats. I, right. The closest I can think of is there is like a character like that in Edge of Seventeen where Haley Steinfeld has a crush on this guy, and then mm-hmm. she like plans to lose her virginity to him. He actually ends up right. actually sexually assaulting her, and like right. that for her like breaks the dream. Oh, yeah. No. Was. Okay. I do have a similar one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> going back to a movie that one of the first movies we ever referenced on this podcast, and we did not know the actors in it. Um, right. uh, and now I'm, it's the movie first time. I'm gonna bring that up again. Okay. The movie first time because the the Britt Robertson's character in it. Um, she, at the beginning of the movie, she dates an older guy, and he's like he's kind of like Timmy, and he's re- he's. But more sleazy, I guess. He's much older. He's clearly much older than they are. And um, he also has his own car. And he also does that weird thing at parties where he just talks about, like, his political opinions. (laughs) And, like, sticking it up to the man. And then a similar thing does happen where she... Because she... Britt Robertson's character is... Like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna lose my virginity to this guy. But then I think similarly he does kind of assault her. And she's like, yeah, no, I... Because in the beginning she's like, it doesn't matter how it goes because that happens because I don't think your first time has to be special. And then when that happens to her, she's like, oh, yeah, no, this is why it matters who you do it with. Um, So that... that, uh, Yeah, so that's... (laughs) That's my reference, I guess. Similarly, Yeah. yeah. So it's weird that like... For all those tropes, like this is the one where almost like, I mean, like I, not not to speak too much to Timmy as a person, but at least like in terms of his star quality. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? definitely. Where where it's kind of like um, you want to care about him in the same way that Lady Bird clearly does. Yeah. Because of how he's portraying it, I guess. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Because like, like when I look at the other two characters, it's kind of like that we just mentioned. I'm like, yeah, I did not care for this person in the right, first time. Right, right. Uh, whereas here, it's like, oh, I wonder what. I guess because that's maybe what Lady Bird was thinking too. Yeah. Like, what? There surely there's more to this person. Yeah. And turns out there was, and but he will never explore that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and and I would say even that like with the other actors like they sort of fulfill also other archetypes that you would see among like theater kids that's right that's right? very that was, true that was something not yeah weird, like observing that, yeah was that like like there was mm. do you want to go or no, no, no i was just like saying like like in the sense that when we were identifying earlier that all of them had come from like different theater backgrounds it also mm-hmm. naturally came through that they all felt like really professional theater kids yeah exactly <laughs> they had the attitude of theater kids almost absolutely it was great and when 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 you think about the tropes and stuff like yeah like beanie's character was 
like the underdog who was going to become like the lead. Yeah, talaga. yeah. And see, si Lucas is that character that's like very much the leading man. Yeah. Um, but then obviously theater is his breaking internal breaking point of what uh makes him realize his sexuality. Right. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Lady Bird's just that friend who needed something to do, yep. I guess, and turns out she was kind of good at it. Um, and uh, uh, that's them in their general, like actual, uh, what do you call this? Fr- like friend group in yeah, the actual yeah. theater, um, in the theater. But then, like you have, uh, I think the other characters too, like the si- uh, not the siblings, like like what's her name, Lady Bird's. Brother uh, Miguel, um, Miguel Shelley. Shelley. Yeah, they're very good side characters that aren't just side characters. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were saying this also in parang um the one of the biggest like benefit. You were saying that one of the biggest things about Shelley is that she's so clearly an outsider, and like it's it it weighs heavy on her talaga. Right, because Shelley's whole but no one else is that she's the girlfriend of Miguel. She's the living girlfriend of Miguel, the, who is, it, is yeah, and they live with their the family. Son, the adoptive son, yeah, Ladybird's family. Yeah, she's yeah. adopted kuya. Like she's older than her. Yeah, because then, they thought that they couldn't have a kid. Yeah, but then like the the whole thing that comes across is that whenever Shelley appears, like. She has a moment with Ladybird where she tells Ladybird that she admires her mom, which is like a weird thing yeah. to say, but it also like under underlines that sense that she doesn't really feel like she belongs in this family, and yet mm-hmm. it's so tender that they're still doing it anyway. Yeah, you know, she knows that anything. exactly. Like she was because because her own family kicked her out. Yeah, that's that's the main reason. Like she's not just living with them because she, like that's her boyfriend. Right. Uh, her boyfriend is their son, but it was because she literally was homeless, going to be homeless uh, either way. Uh, I mean, like, uh, otherwise. And and that you're, yeah, well, I didn't notice it also until you pointed it out. Na parang, that's why she walks out a lot or like she she's so emotional in the house mm-hmm. a lot because she knows that it's not her place. Yeah. But she knows also na no one else would give her like remember this attention there's a part where when lucas hedges is visiting and then like they all introduce themselves but like shelly is like the one who like insists on introducing herself where she's like shelly my name's shelly when <laughs> she's like yeah. in the far background yeah. of the scene yeah 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 and then even but then towards the end even um the dad when it's lady bird's um birthday he says, you're my only daughter. Right. Well, and Jelly. Yeah. Which is, like, cute. Because, like, even if it was, like, a... Af- not, I wouldn't say afterthought. Yeah. Like, he still knows na, yeah, that, you know, yeah. the, their family includes her yeah. now. And I think it... I think that part... I was saying, Grin, na parang that conversation she has with Jelly about the mom is not something that she... That Lady Bird, like, really understands until much later. Right in the movie and i think that scene where she where lucas comes to say sorry to her yeah and she defends the mom yeah. i think that's kind of a result of of that conversation yeah. with jelly of yeah. her starting to like we were saying that that was her first like her starting to p- 
pay attention to other things around her that right. isn't just herself because she it was her first like act of listening. Yeah. Of course, um, the, that relationship with the mom is also like the through line of the entire movie. And like to, yeah. to that extent, like you have back to back that scene where Lucas Hedges character comes out to Sir Sharonan. It's back to back with the scene where the priest opens up to the mom. And like neither of them yeah. are aware of what's going on, but without knowing that they are like sort of being the same person or becoming the same person. Right. Or exercising that Correct. empathy in like different ends of life. Um, Correct. And that's also mirrored by later on towards the end, you have one of my favorite like match cuts ever, which is that after, you know, Lady Bird is doing that call to her parents and she's talking about the first time she ever drove around in Sacramento. And like it shows shots of her driving in the car, but it, it match it matches the shot to um the mom driving the car. And that's that right. to me signals like Lady Bird thinking like, you know, I'm driving around this place and my mom's probably dr- driven around here before. And yeah, like that helps me to feel like some sense of connection with her, even though we're not right. necessarily the same person. Right. And Correct. yeah, and I think that's that in Agreed. itself is a good like way of symbolically standing in for her whole relationship with all of Sacramento. With her mom. Yeah, and oh, also with all Sacramento, Sacramento right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um, good film, good I, film. Have we, <laughs> I feel like we've left no stone unturned. I, I can't think anymore. I feel... Me too. I'm pretty sure... Like uh, this, And we were saying earlier that this 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 movie is not necessarily plotty. Yeah, it's not... It's not like... like I mean, like, it's not... Not, that, not to say that it's not tight, but um, yeah. this movie, like, just kind of lets you go It's very straightforward. It. Right. Yeah. I was con- it's very I much was, like, about one thing. The movie take me where mm-hmm. I wanted to go. Rather than yeah. me demanding of the movie to show me the scene show where me. she... <laughs> Proof! Where Proof. she makes herself Lady Bird. Like, that, think about the yeah. fact that the movie already starts with her having called herself Lady with Bird. With her Lady Bird. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. She gave herself that name already. And then when the movie ends, like when she meets that guy in the exactly. party, she never uses she the name says, Lady Bird. She's too scared to use it. She, she says, says Chris- My name is Christine. And, and even when she calls the parents, yeah. she says, hi, mom and dad, it's Christine. Yeah. And she had then become, it was then going to be the new adventures <laughs> of, old of this Christine. Of that Christine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Of that, Christine, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think we've, like, covered pretty much the entire movie. And... Yes. Uh, one thing that we're... One other thing that we're going to do different for the summer sem, instead of our usual thing, which is requiring, recommending, or non-requiring... Oh, I forgot. We, we didn't really come up with a name for this. But the idea of this uh, segment is that instead of, like, uh, evaluating the quality of the work, we are going to suggest fictional or made-up courses, they could be real courses, where this film might fit in. Did Correct. I explain that well And enough? we no. have... Yeah. I think when, as we go along, it will make more sense. Right. So, for example, like... I mean, like, yeah, it will make more sense the more we do it. So, like, for example, this movie, to me, I think, would make a good addition to a reading list or a syllabus for a class that's trying to teach about 
the inner <laughs> I, I can't even like name the the class correctly but like it any class is like focusing on the intersection between fiction and non-fiction so i put like between right. fiction and non-fiction like this right. is an interesting case study that i would like recommend as a supplementary reading mm-hmm. because it is very much about somebody who draws from her own past and like as i was saying earlier like she even gave her old high school yearbooks and photos like things that she actually grew up with greta you mean yeah greta she gave it to like the people that she was working with but that doesn't right. necessarily make this the story of her life but yeah. if it isn't then what is it the story of what does it become the right. story of and what does she get to do right. with that experience if she's not exploring it so good so that for me is what are other examples of that do you think so i think like um i think like maybe <laughs> um <laughs> the entirety of the sorry series... i put you on the spot no, yeah no, that's okay i'm thinking like hard now because like i have to think of like movies that are not quite um documentaries or autobiography uh, bi- yeah or autobio films mm-hmm. but um Hmm. There, there are like clearly like some obvious examples that I'm not like are, I'm blanking on right now. For some right. reason, I the one, too. the one thing that's coming to mind is the entirety of the series documentary now, which is just parodies of documentaries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, a good it's one. Like, it's interesting how they not only rely on the documentaries that they're parodying, but some of the sensibilities mm-hmm. of the filmmakers whose styles they're imitating. Right. Exactly. Right. And then like imbibing. And going back to theater, yeah. The one episode that Mulaney wrote and starred in. Yeah. Is the one that is supposed to be the mockumentary on uh company. Right. Yeah. So like lo- those loose adaptations of people's lives, those are kind of what would also fit, I guess, right. in that course. Right. How about you? Like what, what course would you put this on a syllabus? So for? mine would be um it was really hard for me to also describe this earlier when we tried it but i was thinking of this one youtube channel called cinema therapy Mm -hmm. and basically if you guys haven't heard of it it's basically this this youtube channel that is run by therapists obviously and they like licensed therapists and they they watch certain movies together and dissect parts of it and um, try to explain those things uh, and how they apparently it's like how they would relate to it in therapy or like what it tells them as therapists and how you can apply that to your own life if you can't like afford therapy right um uh and like how it could you know how those things are like reflections of like actual real life like an example would be like the knives they watched knives out and okay. they're that was to them they they used that movie to define um dysfunctional families okay um and then they broke it down per person so i think that oh, that interesting. if yeah like it's great they also it's a lot of really good episodes i think yeah. you, i think you would really like it um uh and uh they i so i think that if they were to teach a class similarly this ladybird would be one of uh, you know something on their syllabus yeah. and i think it would also be not specifically about family but if they wanted to be more specific about you know as as greta was going to do uh, uh, title this movie as mothers and daughters right yeah you know it could be specifically about that relationship because i was i was telling you off mike na parang 
this movie is very much not a, it has a lot of relationships but it's not about any of them except the mom yes and and ladybird yeah um so i think it would be that if it were to be in a if they had a class between fiction and non-fiction and cinema as therapy teachers if you're teaching yeah. these classes consider this i know hit us up also we're like can we yeah. sit in yeah we, can we see your syllabi <laughs> Um, yeah, can so we talk? That is our first, um, our first segment of uh, what we're, I guess, tentatively called course listing. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're gonna move into another segment, like our final segment for the episode, which is okay. part of a running gag, running narrative that we established in our grand union narrative. episode, which is that I have decided that 2021 is the year. That I will finally learn to appreciate sports. Mm-hmm. And so we bring to you the very first Rec Room Sports Corner. Rec Room. Okay, so the way this whole thing is going to work is that... I'm scared. I know, I'm, I'm more scared than you. I'm the one who's like trying to figure out what I don't do or don't know. Is that... Um, I'm going to tell you, Amanda, you know a little more about sports than I do. By default. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right? By default, by yes. Default, yeah. Right? So what I'm going to yeah. do in this segment is I'm going to tell you one thing I've recently learned about sports. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm going to ask you one question mm-hmm. about sports. Yeah. Now, you... Yeah. One thing I've learned, one question. So the thing that I've learned recently about sports is that there is a team in the National Basketball Association of America that is called the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. That's correct. Right? Okay. So far. Now here's yeah. here's the thing. I, I, I wanna like kind of like uh like insert here like a a minor criticism about the Brooklyn Nets off the go because if you look at their logo oh god there are no Nets on their logo their logo is a (laughs) shield wait wait listen to me listen to me because there is a shield it's a shield with a basketball and in the basketball is a letter B right So so when I looked at the logo I said so what are these guys called? The Brooklyn Balls? And he did think that for a very long time. I he did. thought this so hard, guys, that he accidentally convinced himself that that's actually their... Yeah. Like, you know how when you like remember a thing for so long, you convince yourself it to be true? That's what happened here. He was for real... He thought that it was the Brooklyn Balls. Right. It, they are not called the Brooklyn and Balls. They are called I, the Brooklyn Nets. One thing I also know I have learned about the Brooklyn Nets is that they have a player... Whose name is Kyrie? Is it Kyrie or Kyrie? Yes, Kyrie? yes, it's Kyrie. Okay, it's Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. The reason I remember Irving. that is that I made a joke that um, if he like I don't know scored a highlight of the game, you could say <laughs> Kyrie Eleison means Lord have mercy. The Catholic, you guys know what I'm talking That's- about. Yeah, this is so Catholic heavy, right, this episode. Right. It is, it is. Very, very true. Oh my God. But anyway, the reason why I wanted to learn specifically about the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. is that they are your favorite team. 
Currently, yes. They are currently they are the favorite. team I am voting for this season. And this is not my question. Uh, how long have you been a fan of the Brooklyn Nets? Wow. <laughs> no, no, that's not that's not my question. No, really. That's not my question. I have a different oh. question that I set up. Ah, okay. Question, I wanted, no, I just said you've been a fan for the book of the Brooklyn Nets. No, uh, just this season. I literally just said just it. Just this I, season. Okay. Just this season. Which yeah. started when? <laughs> also, not my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're. I actually. I actually didn't start paying attention until mid-season, like literally until a couple months ago oh. when they started to pick up. So I think the season must have started around November. It should be November. Oh, okay, okay. Um, how, how long does the season last? Season. That's not also my question. Uh, it's, uh, it's oh, okay. Uh, um, I, almost a year, if I'm not mistaken. It goes up okay, to okay. eight-ish, seven oh, months. So that's long, that's long. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. It started in December. Right. It started in ne- December of last year, and it's gonna run until Siguro. Um, wait, I'm gonna double check just to be sure. It's supposed to run until July. Okay. Playoffs is gonna be in July. Okay. All right. So, those things be- being established, I'm now going to ask you my question. <laughs> this is really your question yeah, now. Yeah, this is my real okay. question that I meant to okay. ask for this sports corner. Tell me. So the Brooklyn Nets are your favorite team. Yes. Amanda, I'm getting into sports. I'm learning how to appreciate sports. We know. How do uh-huh. I decide which team I'm going to root for? That's a good question. And this is specifically for the NBA? I mean, you or possibly, in general. possibly you could apply it to sports in general, but I'd like to hear your experience. Like, how did you decide the Brooklyn oh. Nets was going to be your team this season? My team this year? Yeah. Well, I explained this to you kind of briefly before, but mm. the thing that got me into them was it. they started to build a super team. Okay. What do you mean by <laughs> so that? So to speak. Like- this was the Nets initiative is what I'm saying. They um so Kyrie had moved from uh was it Cleveland? Oh my god, I'm really bad. Guys, I'm really bad at this. Sorry. All the men listening, I'm, so I'm like two guys. Um, because I'm not good with like stats and stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um oh yeah, he's gonna be in Space Jam. <laughs> I totally forgot. Um so Kyrie had moved to the Nets from okay no yeah I was right so he was Cleveland first and then he moved to the to Boston for like a year and and then he moved to the Nets right after um, around the time that he had moved from the Cavs because I think Le- LeBron was still there like LeBron was just about to move to the Lakers um, but yeah so I was telling you before that my family actually roots for the Lakers like my whole family is Lakers Nash. Okay. It's Lake Lake Nash, uh, because that's where we're from in the states. Like uh, half our family lives in LA, and we all love basketball. And so my whole life has always been uh, very Lake Nash heavy. Um, I have one uncle who votes for the Celtics, and that's to this day I still don't understand that. Um, uh, but yeah, I but uh, to. The, point of my family it was uh, around the time there was also a period where we were also kind of voting for the Suns Phoenix Suns and at the time one of their star players was Steve Nash so I really enjoyed watching Steve Nash play he was my Kuya shout out to Kui Miguel if he's listening Uh, Kui Miguel's favorite um, player and I knew him because of Kui Miguel and um, 
And then I kind of fell out from watching, following the NBA a little bit after Kobe retired because I was like, no. Uh, and then this year, I found out that Kyrie was moving to the Nets. And then, uh, but it was like a lot of great players. Like Kyrie was going to be Harden, um, <laughs> Uncle Jeff. And then I found out also that Steve Nash was going to be their coach oh, or okay. uh, had started coaching them so i was immediately like oh this seems really wild it's just like all these great players yeah. all in one yeah. and and then on top of that you have steve nash and it's steve nash's first um coaching gig so uh so if i could ap- apply like a non-basketball metaphor you're telling me that Gim- i feel like you thought of this already that gimli legolas Frodo, Mary, Pippin, and Sam, <laughs> and Aragorn, all met up at the same place, and Gandalf was like, "I'm gonna teach you guys how to get the Mordor." Steve Nash is Gandalf. Steve Nash is Gandalf. Yeah, Hashtag correct. You know what? I'm gonna say yeah. Hashtag Steve Nash is Gandalf. <laughs> Even Steve Nash is going to be like, I, I'm not but, even that but tall. Like if, um, but is that metaphor correct so that I understand? Sure. No, you know, I was going to make a, re- I, I was going to make a more relatable metaphor to you, oh, which is on. that think of it like, think of it as like your favorite director getting a cast of people to do a really great, or to do an underdog script. And it's a lot of cast members that he's never worked with before, but you know are all um, good separately. Right. And then they come together to work on a film, and then it turns out the film is really good. I'm kind of blanking on which film that could be referring to. But I know. <laughs> m- me t- it's not... I was speaking generally. Like, that could be well, it. Well, okay, um, like maybe theoretically, like, let's say if Peter Jackson decided to sure. adapt a novel by J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> <Are we> still... <laughs> and he decided to get um, yeah, nah, okay. Elijah Wood from Flipper. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Orlando Bloom. Who was then in... unknown Orlando no, Bloom. was emerging he... because of the Pirates movie. He was... No, but wasn't this before Pirates? But it was it was around. Did he it, not get it, Pirates it kind of because like of this? It was a 2017 situation. Oh, okay. You know, okay. Good callback. And, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Also, he got car- famed character actor Jonathan Reese davies of Princess Diaries 2 fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have Kate Blanchett, yeah. who to this day has not yet aged. Right. Um, and also uh, Liv Tyler. And to head it all off, he gets... Yeah, you have literally... He gets... Who else? For his Gandalf. From Star Trek Next Generation and the X-Men, Sir Patrick Stewart. What? Oh wait, sorry. I'm racist. What are you saying? Ian what are you saying? Yeah, Ian McKellen from X Men only. From I literally only. was like, oh, racist oh, to old I literally, yeah. I'm turning I, my guard I, right now. As soon as you, as soon as you said Star Guys, Trek: I'm Next so Generation, bad. I was like, wait. I'm so <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was thinking too just hard because of they're X-Men. best friends and basically no, no. live together. I was thinking so hard of X Men that I ended up just thinking of Professor X. And of then Professor I X. That if you put That's a lot, Sir Ian. No, but like I forget also because like Magneto doesn't have a lot of hair. He's not surrounded by hair. <laughs> right. So, right. 
so I'm sorry to uh, okay to serves Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Anyone who's ever known me. Yeah, yeah. That was the craziest mistake you've ever made. Um, I'm I'm trying to learn about basketball. Yeah, exactly. But did I answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, no, but wait, sorry. So they assemble the super team, but why is that important? Oh yeah, no, but. Because no, because like well, I think it, it was one of those things where like you'd never seen so many people flock to a new, a really underdog team. I because mm, the Brooklyn Nets are right. not like it's very rare to find somebody who like I literally don't know any other person right. who's been a long time Nets fan. Sure, like me and my boyfriend are both f- for the Nets now yeah. because of the players. And their coach, but not because that we have legacy with them. Unlike again, like the Lakers. Um, Just like no one had I was explaining seen this a union between the <laughs> elves, the dwarves, and the men in, in uh, yeah. Even. This is re- you're really going with this. Um, I but I, I think I remember. Right, I I remember you telling me then uh, our other friend Simon, his favorite team is um, Miami Heat. But he stayed with Heat even after LeBron left to go to the Lakers. And I was telling you that sometimes with people, it's the team mismo and it's not yeah. the players. Yeah. Um, like some people, like I have friends who are who are like hardcore Lakers stands, but they're kebs about LeBron. Yeah. Um, like for them, um, for them, not to say, not no disrespect to LeBron, of course. It was more like just like they were Lakers, like they knew what it meant to be a Lakers fan before you could yeah. even have someone like, like LeBron. For them, Mordor um, matters more than the orcs. Or sorry, my glasses hit my. You know, yeah, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I think it's about also like I guess what you want to come out of. Sure. The team. Okay, I guess like for me, it's like for for me, it's like really like you know, no one has ever really super stand the Nets, and I think they really didn't get this much traction until Steve Nash, Kyrie, yeah. Harden, etc. And now they have KD. They have they have Kevin Durant, okay. who um is one of the best players of the and for four games, you know who else they had? Sorry, this is so sad, but like they had um uh. Oh my gosh, I'm really blanking on him because he is not a player that I was super familiar with until my boyfriend um, uh, um, told me about him because he used to play for my boyfriend's favorite team. Um, but he retired recently because he's sick. Um, see, LaMarcus, okay. um, who used to play for the Spurs and my boyfriend's favorite team before it used to be the Spurs. Yeah. And he left the Spurs recently, very recently, like just to sign with the Nets. And uh, he ended up retiring literally the other day because he's quite sick right now. Oh, no. um, yeah, and but like he's my my boyfriend was saying that if he had continued, like the Nets would have shined very like much more than they are now because he's such an underdog like player for the Spurs. And um, another player also that came in recently was freaking <laughs> Blake Griffin, <Yeah. laughs> who like we had never also oh, I was I was. Yeah, comedy legend, literally one of my favorite stand-up comedians, um, Blake Griffin, who I always said that I wish he would transfer to a better team so that he I could stand him for legitimate reasons that were not his comedy or yeah. his funny commercials. Um, and then he did. He moved to the Nets, and he's doing pretty well so far. Um, and I was telling you before, Naparang, that kind of thing is interesting to me because it's 
clear that these are all people who are believing in a structure of a team and not necessarily the legacy of a team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like it's always, it's, uh, and this is not me trying to speak for people who, who have admire, uh, you know, um, aspirations in sports, but it's like you, you do aspire for a team yeah. because of what the team, because of the team's legacy, but not necessarily because of what uh, it, it could um, build. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. 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 Or like how it, how, how, yeah, because because I feel like yeah, again with bigger teams like the Lakers and Heat and even the, let's say the Bulls, barring you aspire to be part of them because they're so they they have legacy mm-hmm. and legacy players. But then something with the Nets that was so different was like yeah, these are all star players from other teams that that had a difficult time I seguro getting into uh like being not never being the star but like being taken care of in a team mm. or like feeling like they were part of a team and then now they're here and they're all get, getting their shot to really shine I think yeah they ha- I have this joke that they have a token white guy player because they do um and even he is super good <laughs> um uh and uh yeah so I'm following them more of out of like curiosity to see how they go because they're wins to losses right now is quite high they lost recently though to the lakers and to someone else um and it was kind of sad i was really upset about it but but the um i besides that they're doing really well like i think they have like 12 losses all in all out of like 50 plus games so far so uh that's really fun to watch and i think that if you want to get into basketball and you want to find a team that suits you, I think it is okay to f- have your gateway in a legacy team okay. like Lakers or or, yeah. or Miami. Yeah. But then when you start to see how they interact with other teams and how other teams interact with them, I think that's where you'll be able to kind of... um, What do you call that? Like kind of um, uh, discern mm-hmm. what makes a team stand out, I think. Well, okay. Yeah. I feel like that totally covers it. My question has <laughs> definitely be an- been answered. And um, Thanks. That is You're our uh, first <laughs> installment. I feel like I sounded like an asshole. <laughs> I, hey, I sounded I sound like, like a an dick. asshole for forgetting the <laughs> <Yeah>. name <laughs> of literally one of the world's most beloved actors of all time. <laughs> You mixed him up with another beloved global actor. Yeah. So yeah, like I can't. Um, I don't know if I can recover. That's gonna be my new arc this year. Is I have to like recover from the embarrassment of uh, misidentifying the actor who played Gandalf. <laughs> you are literally the worst. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But I that's almost... our first installment of Sports Corner. Hold for music cue. Wreck. Room. And <laughs> can you keep in the parts where you say hold for music you <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe I will maybe, maybe. that would be a funny joke um, right so Amanda we finished one yeah. item off of our summer Sam list what mm-hmm. is our reading quote unquote reading for next week our quote unquote reading for next week Wick help me yeah. for next week is none other than one of the most um, popular or 
famous, I would say, plays and films of the 2000s, it is The History Boys by Alan Bennett. The History Boys. Film directed by Nicholas Heitner. And I think some adaptations of the... Uh, uh, yeah, right? Well, yeah, we were saying, yeah, that we the, saying that he also did... F- the play also did... Yeah. Sir Nicholas Heitner. Right. Um, yeah, so and, we and, hope and, you guys... And the film and the play are similar enough that we can talk about both. But I'd like to say... I mean, like, I, I think you can find the script. The script's not that hard to find. Uh, and if you can read both and then see, like, sort of what are the, the changes that they made between the two media... Uh, for it to be adapted to film, but yeah, we're uh, we're staying in school, baby. We're staying with the history Hells yeah. boys. We're just going across the pond Hells yeah. for the history boys. We- <laughs> Indeed, we are. Yeah. So hopefully you'll enjoy. Finally, it. no, we're doing something kind of. Bri- oh no, wait, no. no, we've been doing a lot of Zay stuff, so that's super. Bri- but then, but when we majority went really, oh. our stuff is UK <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's actually true. So. That and that says a lot about us as um. Right. But even Nerds. but even like even even Madeline Miller, her novels are exclusively set uh, in the Eurasia continent. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. That's literally true. Eurasia so, yeah, in they, Asia Minor. Yeah, Asia They're Minor. set in Asia Minor. Right, <laughs> right. So hopefully you'll join us next week as we talk about the history boys. If you mm-hmm. liked this episode or any of our past episodes. Please remember to give us a rating, give us a review, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. follow us on Instagram, on Twitter at the Rec Room Pod, Rec spelled R E Q. We're also on YouTube, where we post highlights of our episodes. I, I mean, um, it'll it'll have been some time now since we uh, recorded this episode when this episode goes up, but like. Recently, one of the videos that we posted on our Rec Room YouTube channel was uh, an atmospheric white noise experience of two friends preparing for their Sally Rooney book report at a pub. So if you ever miss mm-hmm. pubs, you, pubs, bars, remember those? Remember those? If you're remember missing, the times? If you're missing your local dive watering hole. watering hole watering hole what were you about to say dive, your dive bar no okay if you're missing missing your local watering hole you might want to check out our youtube channel to remember what it was like when you happened to mm-hmm. get the table that was next to two lit majors preparing for their sally rooney book report a bit too loudly that's literally us that's mm-hmm. literally what the video is we also have like highlights about uh, the times when we were talking about like fancasting the song of Achilles. Uh, there's right. a there's a video that's picking up right now on our channel, which is like our our tangent about American actors doing British accents, which surprised mm-hmm. me a little, but that's popular. So check us out there. Um, am I missing anything? Please else? remember to yeah, I said rate, that already. Review. Rate, reviews. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I blanked um, for a second. I think, uh, no, just thanks so much for listening to this. Yeah. Um, if you liked what you heard, I, did you mention comment? I mean, like talking to us, guys, talk to us yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, we, we like talking um, to you. We're very open. In, we're very open and to we your. Hope um, you stay with us throughout comments. the seventeen weeks of our summer semester. Oh Jesus, that's a lot of weeks. Oh boy, oh boy, man, are you ready for? It? <laughs> are you ready? For Let's do it. What time is it? Are you ready for what time is it? And then you expect me to reply with summertime? Thanks for listening to The Rec Room. This episode was edited by me. Our artwork is by Mandy. 
Our theme song is 64 Sundays by Twin Musicom, which is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Check out more of their music at www.twinmusicom.org. For more updates on The Rec Room, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Rec Room Pod. Rec spelled R-E-Q.